54321 people of the world. Hello and welcome to Marketing as a Foreign Language this gorgeous September 1st, 2020. Today on the show, how TikTok's value per user compares to Facebook and other social media platforms. How social media is pushing us towards 1984. Ooh, that sounds very, uh, oh, I don't know, dystopic. Benadryl Challenge. Uh, is a dangerous and deadly new fad on social media, according to medical experts. Voice SEO, different tactics required for Google, Assistant Siri, and Alexa. And last but not least, pay-per-click advertising market to witness astonishing growth by 2026. Google, Bing, Yahoo, and more all on the show. Who doesn't love an intro? Hit it. As always, if you are joining us live, feel free to ask a question there in chat. If you're joining us after the fact via a podcast or YouTube, uh, feel free to subscribe, Centerizing Internet Marketing on YouTube. Boom, you can be right there for the live show or just enjoy the podcast. You do you. How TikTok's value per user compares to Facebook and other social media platforms coming to us from Yahoo Finance. Breakout social media platform TikTok is in the middle of a bidding war after President Donald Trump said he is banning U.S. transactions on TikTok starting on the 20th of September unless Chinese parent company ByteDance finds an American buyer. We know that this is true. Ooh, so we know Microsoft is interested, but also here we have Walmart. Uh, Microsoft is no stranger to large social media buyouts. The other major bidder is Oracle. So looking at the valuation here, investors won't know TikTok's true valuation until the deal is official and the d details of the winning bid are announced. However, ByteDance is seeking $30 billion, according to the New York Times. Assuming the $30 billion valuation is in the ballpark of the ultimate buyout price, it would make TikTok users among the most valuable social media users in the world. Wow. So if it is a $30 billion valuation, you TikTokers, you're, uh, you know, got a ton of value. We value you. We appreciate you. We're proud of you. A $30 billion valuation equates to roughly $259 per user. Oh, my gosh. According to Bank of America analyst Justin Post, that valuation per user is slightly below Facebook at 293. However, it's significantly above Snap at $86 per user, Twitter at 74, Pinterest at 51. I have never heard these numbers ever in my entire life ever. Can't believe it. What's next? Even if the valuation is reasonable, a TikTok sale is far from a done deal. On Monday, ByteDance filed a lawsuit against the US government. Post said the U.S. government would likely approve a sale to either major bidding group, but investors should be prepared for a potential pushback from the Chinese government. Always TikTok all the time. If you're interested in the source article, uh, just check out the description in whatever medium you find yourself in. Links are available there. Now on to fastcompany.com. How social media is pushing us towards 19 84, this of course is in reference to George Orwell's famous novel, this article by Mail Gavette. In his dystopian novel, 1984, George Orwell created Big Brother, and with it, the perfect metaphor for big tech, Orwell's telescreens, which can't be switched off and which record every conversation and monitor every movement in his characters, excuse me, of his characters, bear a striking resemblance to our smartphones, and just as telescreens automatically push programs, 
on their viewers, social media's algorithms today decide what we see and shape our vision of the world. So I think what I've learned in this whole dystopian kind of 1984 hellscape that we find ourselves potentially swimming through uh, at the current stage is that it's not that it's being done to us. This is the big uh, kind of enlightened moment that I would like to uh, at least reflect on, which is to say, we do it to ourselves. We do it to ourselves, we do. And that's why it really hurts. That's what's really going on, folks. We're doing it to ourselves. And that, in its own way, is sort of a more insidious, uh, you know, kind of a viral spread. So there you go. Oral's heroes under the party's surveillance surveillance try to ban certain ideas from their minds in a way that resembles how we are starting to monitor our thoughts and actions under the influence of the internet. Uh, I think, I don't know about you, but with the election, the American election coming up, school starting in the middle of a pandemic, uh, tensions are at an absolute all-time high, uh, at least that, from my experience. And so if you're feeling that way, you're not alone. While this metaphor is useful, especially as China actively works to turn fiction into a reality, as I reread the novel over the summer, I was struck by how Orwell seemed to anticipate our relationship with social media in other ways. With his concept of two minutes hate, a daily ritual of outrage orchestrated by the party. That's pretty funny. I don't know if uh, if y'all have uh, your daily two minutes hate, but uh, it certainly feels like folks are getting that at least on social media platforms. Uh, new speak, a deliberately, deliberately ambiguous language that's designed to limit people's ability to communicate in nuanced ways. Orwell revealed how people's thoughts, emotions, and ultimately actions can be manipulated. So let's talk, let's talk about two minutes hate, shall we? So in Orwell's novel, people interrupt their activities each day and stand in front of their telescreens to flame enemies and celebrate Big Brother. The enemy changes, uh, enemies change regularly, but the ritual does not. So this is from the book. The horrible thing about the two minutes hate was not that one was obliged to act a part, but that it was impossible to avoid joining in. Within 30 seconds, any pretense was always unnecessary. A hideous ecstasy of fear and vindictiveness, a desire to kill, torture, and smash faces with, faces with a sledgehammer, okay, seemed to flow through the whole group of people like an electric current, turning one even against one's own will into a grimacing, screaming lunatic. I feel like, politically, this is a pretty accurate, accurate uh, sort of uh, explanation or description of how people feel uh, in regards to the pandemic. Um, and uh, how it's being treated. Uh, things are absolutely, absolutely insane right now. And, uh, you know, so beyond these organized, okay, where are we at now? Hate campaigns, everyday harassment and bullying have also spiked. According to a report from the Pew Research Center, 59% of U.S. teens have been bullied or harassed online. Well, obviously. In the run-up to December's 2019's UK general election, an investigation by the BBC and the liberal think tank Demos found a surge in abuse and death threats on Twitter, yeah, uh, directed at parliamentary candidates. So, all right. So, okay. What is the, okay. Simple solutions. So, these problems, says, add a warning message. Social media companies have tried to eliminate every friction point for users in order to maximize the volume of communication and engagement. But what if they took a different approach? What if when a user was about to post or tweet something inflammatory? We've seen this. We've talked about this. Um, when it comes to hate speech, there are little warning messages. There are little pop-ups that are starting to appear, especially when um, like they're trying to reshare articles that they haven't read. That tends to pop up. 
Um, and then if there's hate speech of any sort of thing, there are little flags that are beginning to happen or fact checks that are beginning to happen. The problem with this, obviously, is that it can go sideways if the actual owners of these companies, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, et cetera, Snapchat, TikTok, um, you know, police incorrectly. Stop showing suggested posts or videos. Really? Why would you stop showing suggested posts and videos? I get that it creates an echo chamber, but I mean, we all, we're also trying to create something entertaining. Aggressively fight for facts. Yeah, if you can really underline what a fact is, right? So I'm not saying that there are non-facts that we should say are facts. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that there is a gray area where people will answer the phone and uh, you know say that's a fact when that isn't. And it's it's not always easy to determine what exactly is a fact and what isn't. Uh, relentlessly identify and shut down accounts. Facebook is doing that. They're trying to shut down all of the bad accounts. Moving right along, Benadryl Challenge is a dangerous and deadly fad on social media. Has anyone here heard of the Benadryl Challenge? This is from foxnews.com. Such a challenge is inherently dangerous and can be fatal, according to Amy McGorry. So the Benadryl Challenge is a dangerous social media fad on the app TikTok. Oh, okay, there you go. <laughs> It's always TikTok in the news that led to the death of a 15-year-old Oklahoma teen last week. Oh, great. And the hospitalization of at least three Texas teenagers. What is going on? The deadly challenge coaxes. That has got to be a typo. Convinces participants to take several doses of the over-the-counter antihistamine drug diphenhydramine, which is just Benadryl, to the point that the person trips out or hallucinates. Yeah, I would say that the Benadryl challenge may look fun, but it could be deadly. Uh, this is Dr. Adam Berman. Uh, the Benadryl challenge is dangerous and potentially lethal. He's an emergency medicine physician and toxologist at uh, the Jewish Medical Center in New York. And he told Fox, quote, in normal doses, Benadryl is safe. In an overdose, it causes the heart to beat irregularly, which could eventually lead to the heart stopping. It can also cause seizures and extreme drowsiness. So, look, if... If you're a parent in 2020 and you're trying to navigate, oh, I don't know, the pandemic, your kids learning in air quotes from school, and now you have to worry about this random crap on TikTok that your kids might uh, do and might kill them, this year just will not stop. Just will not stop. Voice SEO, this is from searchengineland.com, different tactics required for Google Assistant, Siri, and Alexa. Look, this is going to take over, right? I mean, we're not going to just be searching forever on Google to try to determine, you know, which plumber in our area we should go with. There, We're going to have voice search take over. My issue with it is I can't imagine a scenario where it makes any sense outside of like restaurants. If I'm looking for like a lawyer, I guess I would say, highest rated lawyer with the best price. Like it has to be super nuanced, right? Or give me a list of lawyers in my area. And then I still feel like with voice search, you're still going to on your Google glasses, have a list in front of you. Is this making sense to you? I still feel like at the end of the day, you're going to be looking at a list of, you know, whatever it is you're looking for, call it dentists. Right, So if you want to book an appointment with a dentist and you're walking around and you've got your new fancy Google glasses on and it's Bluetooth synced to the phone in your pocket and, you're, and you say, uh, Siri or whatever, Google, uh, give me a list of dentists in my area. 
you still want to look at the reviews, right? You still want to see that information. You still want to understand who it is that you might be hiring. And that to me is a visual medium. Like I don't necessarily want Google to be like, well, dentist A has 4.9 five-star reviews. They are, well, I guess maybe if Google was good enough to actually identify the highest rated, closest, and most affordable, but that's just the thing. How do you know they're the most affordable? What information does Google have to know whether X dentist is more affordable than another dentist? I guess as the patient, you don't really know either, huh? All you know is that if they're in your network or not. So I think it is feasible that through voice search alone, you could end up with the quote best, but the quote best is how close they are to you, uh, price, if such a thing is available, like oil change, that sort of thing. If Google voice assistant could find like a coupon for you, that would be cool. There's a number of things that go into determining who is actually the best, because when you go from providing like three to five to 10 examples in Google search results to just tell me what the best one is. I mean, that's a pretty big um, technological leap. So a study by SEM Rush found that 1% overlap in answers to the same voice queries across platforms. This is an article, again, searchengineland.com, Greg Sterling. If you want the links, they're right there in the description. Voice and virtual assistants were, for about two or three years, probably the hottest topic in search and SEO. The hype has subsided as Google Home and Amazon smart speakers have so far failed to become the market-changing devices many had anticipated. Eggs, friggin' exactly. This is what I'm trying to say. Like, you can't tell me how many articles I've looked at with like, ooh, voice search is coming. It's all gonna be voice. It's like, okay, it doesn't work as of 2020. It doesn't work. I still wanna list. I wanna be able to choose. I'm gonna look at my reviews. I wanna look at the photos. I wanna look at the proximity. There are so many confounding factors that go into why a human being chooses a particular business. And to just say, you know, find me the best landscaper in the area it's impossible. Well, it's not impossible. It's just, it's unlikely going to give you the best possible result or call me the, a landscaper that's close to me. I don't know. It just feels like we still want to have agency in determining the businesses that we choose. We want to have that choice. We want five or 10 choices. When we go to the restaurant, we want to look at the 19 tomato sauces and go, give me that one. I want chunky with mushroom. Can't say, give me the best tomato sauce. How much information would the computer have to have about you to pick the best tomato sauce? So back to the article. Yet, there has been slow and steady growth of voice usage on smartphones over the past decade or so since Siri's introduction. And when people talk about, quote, voice search, most of the activity is on smartphones, although there is some evidence that voice adoption may have plateaued there too. So if I want to know what time it is, I'll talk to Alexa. If I want to set an alarm, I'll talk to Alexa. If I want to know a random fact, Yep, I'll talk to Alexa, but I'm not choosing a business. And so how do you monetize that as Alexa? You really, really, really want people buying because you really, really want advertisers. You're not gonna get advertisers if people don't use it to spend money. So behind the scenes, Google continues to invest heavily in understanding human language, there you go. The BERT algorithm is a prominent but not exclusive example of Google trying to understand search intent in a deeper way using natural language understanding. So just the nuance of, well, predominantly English, but other languages as well. Accuracy improvements, but not for Alexa. That effort appeared to be paying off according to data from SEM Rush, uh, which released a voice search study last week. The company compared performance of Siri, Alexa, and Google Assistant. 
study found that only 6.3% of questions weren't answered in the aggregate. That was compared to 35% a year ago. Uh, oh my goodness. Brad Hess leaving us a comment saying the best is subjective, isn't it? For some consumers, best means lowest price regardless of quality. For others, best means highest quality regardless of price. This is exactly my point. Brad Hess gets it. Ace handyman uh, of Summerlin. Give him a call. If you have any issues with your house, he'll hook you up. Brad Hess is an amazing human being. While past virtual assistant studies have ranked accuracy among the competitors differently, the SEM Rush data show the Google Assistant on Android smartphone and Siri had the lowest percentage of unanswered questions at 2% compared with Alexa, which couldn't answer 23%. Whoa, that's a huge discrepancy. So SEM Rush data shows that Google Assistant and Siri have a 2% unanswered question percentage, I guess you could say, compared with Alexa, which uh, was 23%. Wow. That represents a significant improvement for Siri and a potential decline in quality for Alexa. Uh, thank you to everyone who's hit the, who's hit the like button. Uh, very much appreciated. Local search and optimizing for assistance. The study emphasizes local search and identifies voice search ranking factors. It also looks at the underlying data sources utilized by the three assistants, as well as the associated SEO implications for marketers. Quote, given that various voice assistants rely on different sources of information when picking answers, they mostly return different results for the same question. This is SEM Rush's Olga Andrienko remarked in a blog post on the study. Google Home and Siri responses to the same questions overlapped only 10% of the time. So there you go. We've got very customized uh, answers. You know, you could make the argument that Bing results and Google results are pretty similar, I suppose, or at least they're looking at very similar technology. The same is true here for voice search as well. The study compared Siri results for restaurant near me and best restaurant near me and found slight differences in the search engine result page. In the former case, distance and number of reviews were the key variables. So yeah, you have to pick, you know, you have to pick what matters. So distance, uh, according to this article, for restaurant near me searches was the first and most important piece of the puzzle, then number of reviews, then star rating, then price. So is that the best possible way of doing it? So why we care? Implementing SEO practices, best practices should mean that marketers do relatively well in voice search results. The study quotes Google's Gary Ilyes, who said, quote, if you were paying attention to actually writing, for your users instead of machines, then I strongly believe that you already have optimized for voice search. And I could not agree with that more. I think it's uh, I think it's fair to say that if you're creating quality content on the internet, if you are doing what I'm doing, live show, YouTube, podcast, if you're getting your voice out there again, um, I dude, I just ran a uh, Facebook ad and uh, I got hit for being political when the ad. I mean, you know my show; it's barely political. And that's a little frustrating, but I get it. And I'm kind of glad it happened because what it tells me is that what it confirms to me is that not only is YouTube auto-captioning every word that's spoken and they understand what you're saying, owned by Alphabet, which owns Google. So it's important to have a lot of words on your YouTube channel, which is in part why I'm doing this show, um, but also Facebook. So Facebook, when it comes to trying to police its platform, is attempting to... Uh, understand when you say Trump or government or whatever. And me just giving you that example might be enough to flag this particular episode as all of a sudden being uh, political when clearly it's not. 
Uh, but there you have it. So um, they asked me to provide them with a driver's license or a passport. I mean, they're serious about this policing. Serious. So uh, algorithms in um, in our world in 2020. Pay-per-click advertising market to witness astonishing growth by 2026. This is the Daily Chronicle writing. We've got Singh Babul is the uh, writer of this one. Uh, so we've got an innovative report on pay-per-click advertising markets with competitive analysis, new business development, and top companies. The report also tracks the latest pay-per-click advertising market dynamics, such as driving factors, restraining factors, and industry news like mergers, acquisitions, and investments. Blah, 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 blah. What is this article? Is this just an ad for a report? We have a sample report with the latest industry trends. All right, do we dare click? Oh, I see. This is just a dumb landing page that I am not interested in. So we're going to go ahead and skip that. We're going to take a look real quick at uh, Pinterest stock and uh, just do a quick run through of some stocks here because I'm fascinated in these numbers of late. So Pinterest, oh my gosh, again, it just will not quit. So as of March 17th, it was 12 bucks more or less. And it's all the way up to $37. Pinterest is no joke. It's a great way to build links and uh, an undervalued social media platform. Twitter stock, as of March 17th, 24 bucks, up to $41. Let's take a look at Facebook. Was at, uh, let's see, as of March 17th, 146, up to 300. So absolutely on fire. All of the boycotts, all of the all of the drama, all this stuff, very little effect. Facebook year to date up considerably, up almost $100 from even January. So, I mean, these social media titans, they are, uh, they're no joke and they ain't going nowhere as far as I can tell. Uh, will they get hit at some point? Yeah, I, th I do think that they'll see a decline, but clearly they've become ubiquitous in our culture. Um, before we do our summary real quick, if you have any questions, uh, 702-263-0141. Again, 702-263-0141. You can give us a ring. You can email us at info, I-N-F-O, at senditrising.com. Again, I-N-F-O, at senditrising.com. If you have any questions about websites, SEO, blogging, I own that company. Can you believe it? Who gave me that opportunity? Summarizing how TikTok's value per user compares to Facebook and other social media platforms slightly below Facebook. Is this a bubble? It seems bubblicious. I mean, that's pretty high. Are you kidding? TikTok user as valuable as a Facebook user? That seems off. I think they might be overpaying. Fast company, how social media is pushing us towards 1984. Uh, yeah, it. Uh, my main point here is that we are big brother, which is to say we're the ones filming each other. We're the ones recording each other. Um, there is obviously an element of governments taking this data, like China taking all the data from TikTok and, you know, there definitely is government surveillance for sure when it comes to this sort of thing. But what strikes me is how we're doing this to ourselves. You know, we are sending each other the information we are taking each other's pictures. We are videoing. Um, and to a certain extent, you can look at this as again, a dystopian hellscape, possibly, uh, and you can also look at it as kind of arming the population with a weapon to fight back, right? So because we can take out our phone and video someone or go live instantly, it is almost like you have this little self-defense weapon in your pocket against um, 
violence and uh, people abusing power. Um, you know, if you got it captured on video and if you're going live with it, there's nothing they can do. They can't even take your phone and erase it. You just boom, go live. Um, so that to me, I think has changed the world. Um, and I could argue that it's changed the world for the better. We're clearly seeing a lot of uh, unrest. Um, and I think a lot of that has come um, at the same time as technology has advanced. These two things to me are not a coincidence. Uh, Benadryl challenge, being a parent is impossible. There's always going to be this ridiculous. I cannot imagine my kids doing something like this and, and dying and, and just trying to like think about how you could have possibly prevented it. The internet is, uh, it's dangerous. Like the, to a certain extent, there's, there's, you know, there's some real threats out there, um, which is just unfortunate. I feel terrible for the parents um, that, uh, that lost uh, their kids to this ridiculous, ridiculous completely unnecessary uh sort of thing but just goes to show you got to keep your eye on this stuff and then voice seo yeah it's coming but is it what everyone thought it would be no in the same way that strapping a phone to your head isn't like this amazing vr you know everyone's walking around with phones strapped to their heads because it's uncomfortable and stupid um but just as we all have smartphones in our pockets i do think that we're going to get to the point where we'll, where we all have google lenses on and it's not or whatever it's like xyz companies um, augmented reality face technology, but it's gotta be like the glasses I'm wearing. Can't be anything else. I mean, that's, that's pretty much it. Um, so there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, I had a lot of fun. I hope you did. Thanks for the likes. Thanks for the love. Um, our podcasts are starting to take off. We're getting some serious downloads there. So thank you to everyone who's finding us on those podcast platforms. Again, if you want to check out the live show, 10 30 AM Pacific standard time, all you gotta do is type in, send it rising into youtube we'll pop up hit the subscribe button hit the notification bell and skadoosh there you are you know when we're live and you can ask questions which is fun and uh you can troll me which uh is also fun there you have it ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for swinging on by i do appreciate you um and uh we're gonna play something that i like to lovingly refer to as an outro see you next time